what I always encourage our clients to do is go to LinkedIn. If you ever feel like the job market is bad, go to LinkedIn, run a search for your target job title, and then filter for roles that are posted in the last 24 hours. And you're gonna see thousands of them. Like there are thousands and thousands of new jobs being posted every week. And so that's the biggest thing is creating the environment that's gonna allow you to stay positive and allow you to keep moving forward and having that system instead of being reactive. You know, having ChatGPT write your resume or cover letter and just submitting it, right? Would not really recommend that. Instead, I think on, on my side, the way that I'm thinking about ChatGPT is, is within the system that we've seen work. And so basically... All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast today. Uh, you know, having a repeat guest here today just to talk about what, you know, the 2024 job market, you know, what we what we are expecting, you know, how to get ready for it, you know, how to get a job in this economy. And I have a friend, uh, someone that's been in this podcast probably three times already. Uh, we connected on LinkedIn a long, long time ago. And I, you know, to me, one of my favorite career coaches and career strategists on LinkedIn, uh, Austin Belsack. He is the founder of Cultivating Culture. Austin, man, welcome back to the show. How are you? Uh, Daniel, it's a pleasure to be here uh, again. And we, we had so much fun the last couple of times and every time we catch up, um, even just before the show here, it's it's always great, man. So I appreciate you having me. I'm doing well and I am excited to, to talk about what 2024 looks like. Awesome, man. I'm super excited. Look, I think 23 and 3 has been really weird, right? Like I, I it's 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 been really interesting. Uh, and I've been seeing, I know my for at least for my clients, right? A lot more offers coming in this fall, right? And so to me, I'm optimistic about 2024, but I would love to hear what your thoughts on um in 2024 job market and maybe how you think it could be different or similar to 2023. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think we just have to prepare for more uncertainty. I think that's the best way to kind of go into any year, but especially with everything going on in the world and the markets and what we've been what we've seen happening, especially in in the U.S. Um, for jobs that are you know at least I think our audiences are are, are targeting. Um, I think we're in for another year of uncertainty where there's going to be you know more companies laying people off. Funding is probably still going to be lower for, you know, smaller to mid-sized companies. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the markets and, and you know, what's going to play out with uh, all this good stuff. Plus, uh, in the U.S. presidential election, you know, happening as well, which is is going to be, be interesting. So I, I always, you know, when times are good um, and the market's been stable for a while, uh, we can we can have some more predictability. And I think we saw a lot of that in like the late 20-teens before the pandemic. But now uh, I think the best policy is to just prepare for uncertainty and to have a system that will allow you to kind of thread the needle and, and take advantage of the opportunities as you see them and also allow you to get a little bit more control back. You know, I think when we focus on more traditional approaches where we're giving a lot of control away to hiring platforms, employers, et cetera, um, that's where the uncertainty really starts to negatively impact our search. Um, but if we have a more systematic approach where we're taking the reins and, and controlling things a little bit more, it doesn't really matter what what market you're in. Uh, you're still going to be able to, to see success. So uh, that's kind of where, where I'm at. We can go in deeper, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I think, you know, as I've been really analyzing the career space, you know, for the last, you know, five to 10 years, I think before I, w I assume like, you know, if the economy 
it was doing bad and then everyone wasn't hiring. And if the economy was good, everyone was hiring. So it was more like all or nothing. But what I feel like I'm seeing a lot is that there's pockets to the economy more than there was before. And so there's a, still a lot of uncertainty, but then you see a lot of investments in like semiconductor or renewable energy or ele- electric vehicles or batteries. Um, so there's different industries that um, even though the, my economy is still all uncertainty, you see that there's big initiatives, for at least for the U.S. government, to make those industries successful. That There's billions of dollars being pumped into it, which then creates job creation. So I think for me, like if you're listening to this, is don't, you know, if the market or the economy is saying one thing, it doesn't it doesn't reflect a hundred percent of the of the job market. So you have to look at it in pockets. And another one I didn't even mention was like AI, right? Like how much of that that's changing the economy. So to, to your point, I do think that there's still a lot of uncertainty, and there's going to be a lot of uncertainty because of that election. Of you know, I don't think we're going to go into a recession because I don't think that they're going to let it happen during the the presidential election. I think they'll they'll, they'll like figure it out a way like even the fed already announced that they're looking to uh decrease rates uh at least three times next year so like that's obviously when money's cheap companies use that money to invest and a lot of that investment is in people um and so but it's uncertainty because a lot of the the fundamentals of the economy are not fixed so it's like for us to say like we're gonna go on another 10-year run it's maybe very naive but again no one knows and that's the problem right And, and but that's also a good thing and a bad thing yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think the the point you made that resonates with me most is is you know the vocal minority type of situation, right? When we see like Google laying off people, Microsoft laying off people, people think that the entire job market is bad. Then, or there's no way they're going to get hired. And that's like that's been the number one question we hear from clients, prospective clients, audience members over the past almost two years now. But specifically for 2023, like, am I ever going to be able to get a job in tech or in this market? And the answer is a resounding yes, you know, just because a handful of companies and and obviously, it's more than that, there's been a lot of people who are laid off, not making light of that, and, and wouldn't wish that on anybody. But at the same time, what I always encourage our clients to do is go to LinkedIn, if you ever feel like the job market is bad, go to LinkedIn, run a search for your target job title, and then filter for roles that are posted in the last 24 hours. And you're going to see thousands of them. Like there are thousands and thousands of new jobs being posted every week. And so that's the biggest thing is creating the environment that's going to allow you to stay positive and allow you to keep moving forward and having that system instead of being reactive, you know, listening to, because especially on social, right, we hear all about I can't, I I agree with you. I don't think we're going into a recession. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on LinkedIn, like with the pending recession, like with this recession, that's got and every, it's just like a foregone conclusion for so many people. And so when that's your exposure, when the information you're taking in is all the negativity, like these companies are laying people off, we have this recession, blah, blah, blah. You know, you internalize that. And then that affects how you approach things that affects your mindset when that may may not, not, not actually be the reality. So to your point, take that, uh, like understand where it's coming from and then also try to get some more information because typically um, to the point you made earlier, like when, when somebody's feasting or when somebody's you know, through going through a famine, somebody else is feasting. There are always companies that are making, uh, making hay and taking advantage of, of these downturns or these different situations. And so when we can find those industries, that's where you focus your, your, your time and your energy and you're, you're going to be just fine. Yeah, no, no, no. T- t- totally agree on like, the, the part of the like 
we hear like the Fang or the Mang companies and their hiring freezes are firing. And now it's like, that's not the reflection of the whole economy. Like, in fact, like all, all those companies combined don't employ 1% of the population. So you have like, and, and we forget about that. And, and also too, like unemployment is at less than 4%. Like, if you think about that, like there's like out of a hundred people, 96 have jobs. And really, it's even they even say like a lot of the four percent of people that don't have jobs sometimes they don't even want jobs. Like they're not really trying to get jobs. And there's also a, a natural percentage of people that are in job transition. Like they quit, they got fired, and so it's not that the economy, the opportunities are there. Uh, it just might not be with the Googles and the Apples at, at this current second. And actually, I, I think even the Apple is hiring. But um, but yeah. Austin, I, I want to. I'm really curious to to hear your thoughts on this trend of AI tools for job seekers, right? Because you know now there's AI tools that would apply to hundreds of companies for you while you sleep, right? And then there's uh, you can use all these tools. And, and what are the pros and cons? Because there's pros and cons, right? We can argue on both sides of it. But what are your thoughts on that? And do do you think how can job seekers use it to their advantage, or would you just say, hey, stay away from them 100? percent yeah, so it's it's really interesting. We uh, I just put out four different polls on LinkedIn yesterday or two days ago. We're still getting the results, but so far with the data we have, um, we did it across every generation. So boomers, Gen X, um, millennials, and Gen Z. We just asked them like, how willing are you to use AI in your job search um, now or in a potential future job search? Every single generation, ninety plus percent of people, at least with the data right now, willing to use it. So I think. Your question's great because people are using these tools. And so it's not a question of should you use them or should you not, I think. I believe that you should use them um, to answer that. But I think that people are going to use them whether whether we want them to or not. And so it's about how do you use them correctly. So I'm, I'm absolutely pro using AI in your job search. I think it, it cracks me up when we see like employers or recruiters saying, you know, oh, we'll automatically reject any candidate that we see using AI or anything like that. It cracks me up because one, the data we just talked about, literally everybody that they're going to hire is going to be using AI. But two, like companies have been using technology to manage their side of the hiring process for decades now. And so it's interesting to see them get upset when now all of a sudden candidates have the ability to do that and it's sort of democratized. But in terms of the specifics, you know, I think um, I think the same principles hold true with AI that have held true with the job search in general. And that is, if you're using AI to do the same things that everybody else is doing, you're you're not going to get the results you're looking for. And so previously, you know, the stuff that everybody else is doing, the data that we saw, you know, according to LinkedIn, um, you know, a couple of years ago they did a survey, and basically 75% of people are using online applications as their primary method to job search. And we know the chances of getting in the door when you're only applying online for these highly competitive jobs, it's so small. And so, you know, if you're doing the same thing, if you're showing up and clicking easy apply, if you're showing up and just putting 10 minutes into your resume and you're applying, you can't expect a better outcome than the thousands and thousands of other people who are doing the exact same thing. And I think AI is actually going to amplify that. You know, if you are, you know, if, if this tool is now doing a lot of the work for you and everybody's using the same tools, you know, I think by and large, I don't know what the stats are, but I would I would have to guess that most people are using ChatGPT just based off of the hype and and what we've seen on our side and all of that. And so if if all of your competition is using ChatGPT to kind of do the same things that you are with it, 
you, you can't expect to get a better result. And in, in addition, you actually are probably going to get a worse result than you were before because everybody's using the same tool. So I think that's the trap that we need to avoid is thinking that AI is going to do your job search for you. You know, these, these auto apply like services that some companies offer would not recommend that. Um, having ChatGPT write your resume or cover letter and just submitting it, right, would not really recommend that. Instead, I think on, on my side, the way that I'm thinking about ChatGPT is, is within the system that we've seen work. And so basically the way that we approach the job search is we, we basically get clarity on a specific set of companies and then we create a funnel for the job search. And so it's a little bit um, like marketing and sales in my background where we identify our targets, our companies. We come up with a list of people who can influence your ability to get hired. We reach out to those people with strategies. We track how well those strategies do. And then we calculate our success rates at each step in the process until we sort of have like a well-oiled machine in a funnel. And so what I'm using AI for is to augment every step of that process. So I'm using AI to do company research. You know, obviously you want to make sure that the platform you're using is getting real-time data and isn't, you know, based on a couple of years ago, but asking that platform. Yeah, exactly. Asking that platform, you know, hey, tell me about Google's biggest initiatives for the next 12 months. Tell me about the biggest challenges um, that they're facing with those initiatives. I'm doing a little bit of that. When I'm reaching out to people, uh, I'm feeding their LinkedIn profile in and I'm asking it, you know, hey, what stands out to you here? What are some different ways that I could reach out to this person? You know, one of our favorite strategies, we call it the 10 idea strategy. And it's basically when you see somebody you want to network with, if you sit down and you come up with 10 different ideas for how you're going to connect with them, we see people be far more effective at networking because the obvious stuff, the like, hey, Daniel, you know, saw you work here and I'd love to work there too. Uh, can you pass my resume along? Like that's idea one. Everybody has that idea. So by the time you get to ideas seven, eight, nine, ten, now you have to get creative. Now you have to think outside of the box. ChatGPT can just do that for you, though. It can come up with a lot of these ideas and brainstorm different ways to help you. And you can use it to, you know, put together pitch decks. You can use it to actually prepare for interviews. You can write out your interview answer, share it with ChatGPT, and ask for feedback. So. Basically, what we're doing here um, is two things. One, I think we can use ChatGPT to augment the parts of the process that are necessary, but are tedious. So for example, updating resumes or cover letters. I think if you let AI do 80% of that, and then you come in and you add your personal touch, you proofread, you edit for the last 20% before you apply, that's a big, awesome use case that we love pushing to our clients. And the second way we use it is to augment these additional strategies that we're, we're already using to go against the grain compared to your average job seeker, you know, which are some of the ones that I mentioned. So definitely pro AI, but definitely in the right context. Um, what are your thoughts, though? A hundred percent align on the sense of like you can use AI to help you with the process, but it's don't lose, don't lose, don't, don't use AI for quantity, but use it for quality, right? So everything you mentioned was about how to increase the quality of your application, right? How to go deeper into the research, how to do a better at networking, right? So you're utilizing AI tool to facilitate a quality application, not use AI tools to just do quantity and mass application. And I think that's the, the challenge that I think is going to, this is going to cause is that if before an average company will get 250 applications for every job they posted, if AI makes it really easy for application, what if that 10x is that or 100x that? What if, what does a company do 
when they go from having 250 applications to review to 20,000 applications to review. Because AI tools are applying to 100, 1,000. Like, I mean, there's no limit, right? Like if you just tell the AI tool, apply to this is the correct, this is the criteria that I'm looking for. And it just applies to everything. And everyone does that. How, like the companies have to react to that. And so like to that, I think that's the, the, the more than anything that I would agree with you. That's my fear with those mass application tools that will, will gain popularity because people are one looking for shortcuts, right? And and I get it. And that's, I, t- I tell our clients the same thing, quality over quantity. I mean, sorry, quality over quantity. Like you have to focus on a quality application. It's not about networking with a hundred people. I rather you network with five people per company, but spend the time to analyze their profile, find commonalities, you know, and the deeper the commonality, the better, right? Oh, you, I, I eventually, I, my dream is to work at Disney. Can I send you your resume? Like, right? No, go deeper. Like what, you know, are they an international student just like you? You know, th- you know, they're from your home country. Do they, you know, you go into deeper and find like, they're also passionate about X, Y, and Z. Like to your point that that type of research takes longer to do. And that's why most people don't do it, but that's the things that are going to set you apart. And, and so I, I agree with using it. So we, for our clients, we use career flow, which is a tool that, uh, helps with the application, the tracking of where they're applying, and does have um, AI features to help them, you know, with the resume. But we always tell them too, like, even if the tool does 80% of that, 90% of it, it's important to double check that and organize uh, and, and and make sure that information is real, right? And that is it's, it's good to use. But now I'm going to turn it on you, Austin, because wh- how do you think a company then reacts when they're getting... 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 10,000, 20,000 applications because AI makes it so easy to apply. Dude, they're going to use AI. <laughs> and then it's it's going to be it's going to be everybody applying with AI and then AI is going to be judging the AI that's applying and it's just like this crazy thing. But 100% because for the same reasons that job seekers are going to scale up their efforts with AI, companies are going to scale up their efforts with AI and it, it, it's just going to turn into this whole weird situation. And so I, I think to your point, um, you know, the, the ways uh, of standing out are more important than ever. But I also think that people should should find a little hope in this because the, the, the sort of lazy job seekers are just going to get lazier with AI. And that means the disparity between them and, and you know, hopefully the people listening who are not doing that and who are going a little bit deeper with relationship building, taking a bit of a different approach they're really going to stand out because so many more people are are going through the path of least resistance. And so I think those channels just become more important, you know, as the volume of applications increases um, and the online apps become more competitive, the value of a connection, the value of chatting with somebody in, in, in real life, whether it's over email or LinkedIn message or an in-person coffee chat, whatever it is, the value of that goes up astronomically because the noise, there's more of it. And there are like heavier, like there's heavier filtration on who gets through because companies are going to have to scale up their efforts either via AI or humans. But either way, there's just going to be more noise. And so if you want to stand out, I mean, rather than trying to stand out 
in that sea of, of noise, it's a lot easier to stand out if you just find a different way in. And the, the old data, I say the old data, the data like that's kind of surrounding the current job search process sort of supports that, right? I mentioned, you know, 75% of people use online apps as their primary method to get in the door. You cited the 250 resumes per application number. If we look at the number of people who get interviewed, right? It's like, you know, five to seven people or so, that's a 2% success rate just for an interview. On the flip side, for referrals and for hiring, referrals make up like 40 to 80% of hires and only 10% of candidates come through referral. So that's the blue ocean right there, right? The red ocean is if you're applying online, you're competing with 75% of of everybody else for that 2% chance of just having conversation. Whereas if you're focusing on networking and referrals, you're competing with 10% of the market for a 40% chance of actually getting hired. I mean, that's the the ocean that I want to be swimming in, right? And so once we understand that, whatever changes, AI, easy apply, all these you know technological progressions we've seen in the job search, all of them have really negatively impacted the 75% who are going through the traditional means of just applying online, showing up to job boards every day. They haven't really impacted the folks who are making the core focus of their job search around networking and connecting and getting in via those channels. And so I think we're just going to see that be even more successful than it already has been. Yeah, to me, there's two paths to this, right? Like one, the human touch, the humanizing part of hiring, to your point, the networking, the relationship building that happens becomes even more important, which I think is always going to be really important. As long as a human is still making the final decision on who gets the job or not, networking and relationship building is going to be key to to the data that you kind of even said. Or the second one, I think companies are just not going to post jobs. And instead, they're going to use the tool AI tools themselves to say, hey, this is who we're looking for. Go outreach, go find the person, right? Because they don't want to be flooded with applications. Because if I don't post a job, I don't have to review them all, right? So if, if I think, okay, I'm looking for a new director of sales, they can use the AI tool or they can use maybe even LinkedIn comes out, which they already do. And then go and find them because it's just much easier to go and say, Hey, I think this role is a good fit for you versus opening it up to the world where most people are not even qualified because they're either overqualified or underqualified, right? Like it's because most people think like, Oh, I'm not qualified. No, no, no. You could probably more often than not get rejected because you're overqualified for the role. And so the AI, like, you know, the companies, you can use AI to just find the right person right the right fit or what they think it is and so um I, I i agree i think you know the blue ocean is networking the relationship building because that's that's how you're going to get your foot in the door I, I tell like my clients like you know visibility is going to be more important than ability to get your foot in the door to get to the interview and if you get to the interview you just beat you know over 90 percent of candidates like you, uh, to the math that you just said it's 98 percent, right but whether it's 90 95 85 it doesn't matter it's very clear relationship building, getting the referral, getting to the interview, you will already beat majority of other candidates. So how do you get how do you get to the interview? And the data is clear. It's through, you know, relationship building referrals uh, through visibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually it's interesting. Uh, like so the, the like taking that thread and, and pulling on it a little bit. Um, I think like right now, the dream, like job, a job seeker dream on LinkedIn is like, let me optimize my profile and and recruiters will reach out to me. Right. And so what you just laid out is, is really interesting because I, I can certainly see companies investing in, in AI that, that actively goes and finds the right person and surfaces it up. 
Um, but I think, it, and as a job seeker, that might sound great. It might sound like, oh, well, maybe there's a better chance that I'll be reached out to because I do have these good skills and, I, and, and I'll optimize my stuff in the right way and all that. Um, but this is actually one of those like, uh, like tricky things that seems good on the surface, but actually isn't so great on, uh, in reality. So I was just on a call with a prospective client yesterday and we were talking about this. He's optimized his LinkedIn profile so well that the only opportunities he considers are inbound from recruiters, but he's not able to convert any of them into later stage interviews or offers. And the problem is that because he's relying on these recruiters to reach out to him, one, he's sacrificing a ton of control. Like he, he has no control over finding a great opportunity that's a good fit for him. Instead, he's sort of at the mercy of a recruiter bringing him the right role. And then the second thing is, when they bring him a role, if he's interested in it, he's on a time crunch and he's sort of in a pressure cooker because they're like, we want to hire immediately. We'll get you scheduled for the interview next week, blah, blah, blah. And now he has to research this company that he may or may not care about, you know, learn everything he can about it. And then he's coming in with no real advocate. I mean, sure, the recruiter may be, you know, doing a little bit of selling, but that's not even close to the same as having a referral who you've connected with for a couple of weeks. And so, it's kind of an interesting thing where as a job seeker, you think like, oh, the dream is to have these people reach out to me and I don't have to do any applying. But actually, if that's the case, you lose all of your control over finding a great company that you're choosing because it's exciting to you. And in addition to that, you're actually less likely to get the role because you're rushed through this process and you don't have an advocate. Whereas if you go through the system that you know we've both been talking about, we share with our clients, you're choosing the company, you're researching it up front, you're building deep relationships with people there who are advocating for you. And by the time you get to the interview, you already know everything about their goals, their challenges, their initiatives, you probably have your story built out. And you have this person advocating for you, you're just so much more likely to win the offer. And so, you know, for anybody out there who's hearing this and thinking like, well, I'll just optimize my profile, or I'll just, you know, I'll hire a, a LinkedIn profile writer or whatever, you know, that actually may seem good on the surface, but there's a lot of pitfalls to to that type of setup as well. So it's just, it's kind of like an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. And, and that's also the main problem and issue when you are mass applying and not looking into each company, because if you're just doing, if you're just going into the week and saying, okay, my goal this week is to apply to a hundred companies, whether you're using AI or using the easy apply button you're then just waiting to get here back. And, you know, it is at a point, there's going to be a numbers game. If you apply to a thousand companies, a percentage of them, maybe not a high percentage, but a percentage will get back to you. And that will lead to interviews. But the question is, if you ultimately apply to 300 companies and you get three interviews, and let's say you get one offer, what are the odds that out of the 300 companies, the one you get an interview and the one you get an offer from is the one that you really wanted? right? Very slim to, very slim, right? And then what happens is part of our human nature is like, we get an interview, we get an inter an email saying, hey, Daniel, we would love to interview you on Thursday. Like, so it's like very last minute next day. It's always like that. One of the most common questions I get from our clients is, how do I prepare for a last minute interview? I literally have a workbook for it because like, it just happens all the time, right? And, um, and so what happens is, is that we then start justifying why we think this company is good. Because we're excited, we haven't been getting we haven't getting any traction. And now that I'm getting traction, now I'm like, oh, I this company's solar power energy. I, I I always cared about that environment, and like so, you always start justifying it in your head why this is the right fit, and then you end up settling 
for a role, an industry, a company, a, a, you know, relocating to another state that you you forgot you had applied to to work in the middle of nowhere, right, in Alaska, because that's the job, and you end up settling. And I think that's the big mistake that I hear all the time, where even people that are like, hey, Daniel, I've been in this job for like a year and a half. I hate it. I need help to get in another job. And I start asking about, you know, how did they get to that job? And 99% of the time, it's because they mass apply and they were focused on quantity, not quality. And then they ultimately do get a job, but it's not the, it's a job, not a career. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that's the same thing we tell our, our clients. Um, you're, you're right back in the job search in another six to 12 months when, when you go through that setup and then God forbid, you know, that you're, 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 you're so exposed to, to, you know, changes in the market and at the company that are out of your control. Whereas if you're selecting the companies that, that if you have clear criteria on what a great job looks like, if you have a vetting process and you're creating a list of target companies that align with, those criteria. Now you can you even if one doesn't work out, it's like, all right, whatever, I still have nine more 14 more, whatever it is that I can go target that I'm really excited about. Whereas, you know, to your point, if if you start with 300, you apply to the ones you want most first, you don't hear back from them, or they have a hiring freeze or whatever. And then you just keep relaxing your standards eventually until you settle for something. And so yeah, it, it's it's again, it's the path of least resistance. There's so many pitfalls, both in the short term and long term that I think people don't consider. And when you when you look at it from the perspective that you just laid out, I mean, the the quote extra work that you have to do to get clarity on those criteria, find companies that meet them network and get the job. That extra work is actually not a whole lot of extra work at all in the grand scheme of things. When you consider that you're going to land at a job you're excited about that's going to pay you what you're worth that you can grow at for the next several years and is is going to be hiring uh regardless of what the market looks like so no i we're we're 100 aligned on that yeah, so true and one really quick i know we'll wrap it up but like you know me and you have talked about uh salary negotiation on on, on linkedin before but you know actually what is the best way to get paid is to research what the company is willing to pay before you even apply and if you're just massively applying, how many times do you take, how much time do you take to find out what they're paying for those roles? And so like, I would, I would rather take a job that pays me 150 and I try to negotiate and they said no, than a job that pays me 75 and I'm able to negotiate to 90. Like it doesn't, it doesn't even matter like how much you negotiate. And so that's just another side note that when you're just focusing on quantity, you're also could be hurting your, 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 your pocket. So Austin, I, I, I definitely respect your time. I, um, but before we wrap it up, you know, if, if people listening to this want to learn more about what you do, your, what your company does and how they can work with you and your team, what is the best, uh, tell us a little bit more and the best way to get, uh, to connect with your company. Yeah, for sure. So uh, our site, cultivatedculture.com, we got a lot of job search tools um, that help people uh, with this. We've integrated AI into, into a couple of them as well. Um, we also, you know, we have our coaching program, but, um, yours is, is fantastic. So, uh, would send people your way as well on that one. And then LinkedIn, you know, I'm posting every, every day over there. Um, and that's a great place to connect. So, um, just type in my name and, and it should pop right up over there. Awesome. I'll put a link to Austin's LinkedIn and his website, and you can find all the tools. Uh, one of my favorite ones is MailScoop, uh, when you're looking for emails. So, uh, Austin, thanks so much for being here. If you're 
uh, listening to this podcast. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe, give us a review. And I just ask if you enjoyed this episode, share this with one friend. All I ask is one friend. Again, thank you so much for listening. Austin, thank you so much. And catch you guys all on the next episode.